1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Rev Covery. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Heath. And for this intro, I just want to let you know this is a very different Rev Covery because we actually recorded this one live at the Wild Goose Festival. As part of that, we were able to interview a dear friend of mine, Anna Galladay, the unholy heretic, a friend of both Justin and myself. And this conversation, I think you will really enjoy. It's all about her ministry exit. It's a very painful story, but there's also a lot of laughter, which is, of course, what you would expect uh, when you're talking to a self-proclaimed Enneagram 7. Again, thank you so much for being part of this community, and we hope that you enjoy this conversation as you hear about envelopes being slid across a table. So I hope that's enough mystery to keep you listening. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Rev Covery. Yeah. So Rev Covery is a podcast about people who have been in ministry, have known a minister, have done anything that felt like a calling and maybe feel like they need to do something else. It's about life beyond the stained glass windows. And so I'm Sarah Heath and this is Justin Gentry. And uh, we are so excited today because we have with us Anna Galladay. Anna Galladay. Excellent. I say that as if I'm excited that my, I am here, and yeah, I am, but like, here. I, I don't normally We're introduce excited. myself in, in a very excited way. The excitement in it. me sees the excitement in you. Yes, <laughs> I honor that. Namaste. Namaste. Yeah. Um, we are here at Wild Goose Festival, which if you've never gone to that, friends, it is such an incredible place to just meet like-minded folks, meet non-like-minded folks, and learn a little, uh, and just... I don't know. I've been coming for years. We have. I've done a, a po- many podcasts. I feel like yeah. for a while I was just... Poor Anna. She's been a guest on many podcasts here and done her. Did you do your podcast live? I did. Last time? I yep. did. Two years. Two year, The past two years we recorded here. Okay. So yeah. you're like a, you're a pro. Anna, what we usually do is we chat with folks who have transitioned within ministry, whatever that might look like. And it is a way of just sort of offering stories for other folks and also helping people. But we realized that the question we asked in the beginning sounds like we've all been to prison. So how many years did you serve <laughs> and in what way? And for what? I joke that I have Wesleyan bone marrow. I'm Ooh. a seventh generation United Wesley United Methodist. I started serving as the president of my youth group. Yeah, you did. When I was 14. That's the entrance drug. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely the entrance drug. Yep. And by the time, for if you know anything about the United Methodist Church, by the time I was 23, I was the chair of our trustees. <laughs> And I, I, so I, I served in leadership until I was in my mid thirties. And it was then that I uh, decided to say yes to actual pastoral ministry and served in part-time pastoral ministry for uh, a few years, uh, full-time pastoral ministry until 2018. Okay. One of the fun things about doing this live is that you guys are, I'm sure, out here having experience. But we also know that people at home can relate to the like, I was the youth group president. And you're all questioning, like, yep. is this a pipeline? Absolutely. It is. It's a pipeline. Yes. It is yes. as, a former, <laughs> as a former youth pastor, I can tell you, we are all looking at like, who's the leader? Who are they? Because mm-hmm. please take my job. So, yeah, yes. I feel like it is absolutely a pipeline. And part of your story is similar. So Justin and I both got out for different reasons. Yep. Right. So there's a lot of ways people get out. Sometimes people burn out, which is completely fair. Ta-da! Uh, other times people are fired. Sometimes <laughs> defrocked. <Ta-da! Yeah. laughs> sometimes defrocked as well. Yeah. Uh, which is not yeah. a service. My mom asked me one time. She's like, so my mom is British, which I think is an important part of the story. And when I was getting ordained, she kept saying, I cannot wait for your coronation. Nice. <laughs> nice. Mom, I am I'm not becoming the queen. I don't know how to tell you. 
Uh, so then my mom was like, our friend was defrocked. And my mom was yes. like, oh, do they also do a service for that? No, mom. No. There's, there's <laughs> Is it a removal of the robe? I mean, there's a service of sorts, but yes. it's behind closed doors right. and it's really, really tear-filled. Uh, yeah. I, I, my, the service I performed was I burned the denominational handbook Ooh, edgy. That was... <laughs> I'm here for that. I, so that's what I did. I'm here for that. So can you tell us what ended or what... Ended up in you being defrocked. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So in uh, 2014, I came to be a part of two reconciling congregations in the United Methodist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For those of you that are not familiar with the UMC, the Reconciling Ministries Network is the affirming and lobbying arm of the United Methodist Church for queer inclusion within the do- denomination and churches assume that moniker and mm-hmm. vote to assume that moniker and then contribute financially to the network in order for the network to then also help them in facilitating equity amongst queer folks within congregations across the country and the world. The premise of reconciling ministries is beautiful because especially where I'm from in the heart of the Bible Belt in Chattanooga, it is a really clear way for people to know exactly who you are and what you stand for in the yeah. church. I mean, yeah. you know, when people hear that the two churches that I served were reconciling congregations, they are they instantly know how to align themselves or attach themselves to that. How to feel about you. Yeah. What's interesting to note is that in 2014 and and until 2018, when I was let go, we were in the Holston Conference at that point had about 870 churches in our conference. There were three reconciling congregations in 870 and wow. I passed. I'm not two good of at them. math. That feels small. That's a small percentage. And the third was on a college campus. That makes sense. Wow. And so we were we were definitely outliers in 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 the conference and in the work of the church. But long story short, I served and loved on and really became pastorally and humanly a part of the lives of these people that I served. And I was asked on several occasions to marry folks in my congregation who identified as, at at that point, as same gender. And I said yes. And I did several weddings. I was busted for one of them. (laughs) And the one that I was busted for was the one that ultimately ended my my career as a pastor in the UMC. Which I... I think it's also interesting for people to know to catch that you're part of a congregation that, on the face of it, Correct. is completely supportive of this. Correct. This is what we call a chocolate-covered poo. Yes. <laughs> like, is this a baby Ruth or is it a giant piece yeah. of poop? But when it, when someone under your care who feels safe in your congregation says, like, hey, we've decided to legally recognize our union... Which as part of our orders is one of the things that we are asked to do within our order is in that very special book called the Book of Discipline that I read nightly, if that's not true. <laughs> there is a section that says we are to perform ma- weddings for folks who are members of our community. Correct. Yes. So you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in some Correct. ways, but there's Correct. a bylaw somewhere, I'm sure. There is. Mm-hmm. It's like an asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's Highlighting there, the ask. There are several clauses in the Book of Discipline, one of which says that pastors can't marry non-hetero couples. Another that says that a church, a United Methodist Church, cannot host the wedding um, of folks who don't identify as um, as hetero. And the, and the third that says that someone who is openly queer cannot seek ordainment mm-hmm. ordain yeah. ordainment right. in the united methodist church so those three clauses are kind of the we call them the problematic the, yeah, part the the mm-hmm. the pieces of our discipline that wholly and fully contradict yeah they don't the make vows sense. that we took right yes as ordained ministers on the day that we that we said we do yeah. and ordination like i'm from a more evangelical tradition that ordination was a big deal you had to work very hard for it but like in the United Methodist Church, y'all hustle for that. Oh my gosh, like, guys. Why would any, I, I actually think you have to fail the mental health examination mm-hmm. to become ordained. It's like, it's I think po- that's how possible. it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It is 
so much work. It takes years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's- you're you're gr- like grilled the whole time. And so once you get through that, then you're you actually almost have a wedding ceremony. The sad part of my story is my ex almost fiance got married the day I got ordained. Friends. I cannot wait for the Hallmark movie. It's yeah, going to be that's, that's, cute. That's, that's impactful. But first, I have to meet a really cute mailman or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so there is this sense of like it is a binding covenant between you and the community that you will do the orders that you're asked to do. And one of the questions, by the way, that I think this is important for everyone to know, too, as we sign up, one of the questions is that we have to swear that we are not embarrassingly in debt. Yeah, which is only we've, funny. We've just come yeah. out of MDiv, just come out of um, a- or or some kind of master's right. program right. that has made us eligible to seek licensing or ordainment. And yeah, I have yet embarrassing to see. to whom? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, well, my level of embarrassment is way higher than most yeah. people, so I think we're okay. And like people, it's funny because everyone laughs at that, but what people don't laugh at is the part where we say we will do these things okay. to care for our people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then they pulled you up on charges, which is how I heard your name first, because I was like, you go, girl, because I had done a wedding like five minutes before I read hers. And I was like, well, we're both going down. Yep. They're going to mm-hmm. take my tiny piece of paper. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I. It was interesting because I knew, <laughs> when I was first called into my district superintendent's office, actually, he, he called me on the phone and said, hey, I heard a rumor that you might have participated in a wedding that you shouldn't have. Is that true? And I said, well, what, what did you hear? And he said, well, I heard you performed the wedding. And I said, well, how did you hear I was there? And he said, I heard there was a picture of it. And I said, well, what does the picture show? Don't (laughs) hear pictures. I'm I'm like, please, please do tell me more. And he said, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh. And I said, oh, well, then I am not going to further this conversation with you. Like, I, I mean, I like I love you, Randy. And I appreciate, it, of course it was Randy. Yeah, I love you as a human, but I am Show not going to have receipts. this. Yeah, I am not going to have this conversation with you. And so about two weeks later. I get a call from him again and he says, I, I need to see you in my office tomorrow. And I, at that point I knew like yeah. he had, he had done the research. He had figured out He'd seen how the to pictures. find the picture. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm such a smart ass at this point. I am like done. I, yeah. So he calls me in. He's he, my, I take my co-pastor with me cause I just wanted some backup and somebody mm-hmm. there to help. And he slides this picture across the table. I can imagine. Like, this is so cinematic. Like, yeah. and he's like, this picture. He's like, is this you? Was it in a manipula, like in a folder, like you see on TV? Like, it was. Where the like detective, it, there's a yeah. light, yeah. and then the detective like slides yeah. it across and yeah. says, "Can you identify anyone in this photo? Yeah. Are these people the same gender? Look me in the eye." Was he it said, like that? It, it was similar. He said, is this you? And I said, well, I mean, unless an overweight version of Pink showed up to do that <laughs> ceremony, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> so he was not impressed. He, he did not find that funny. My co-pastor, Gary, I thought he was going to pee himself. He was laughing so yeah, hard. You have to laugh in those moments. Yeah. like, And it's so painful to think like, yeah, we're your parishioners that you, parishioners, by the way, is just a fancy word for saying people that think you're preaching fine and show yeah. up every week. Did they... F- did they know this was going to happen? Did they know this was happening? No. no. Okay. So we were, so I was let go on a Tuesday. My Always Tuesday. Cause I, Monday I they know. take off and Friday as well. Yeah. Maybe, okay. Yeah. I was let go on a Tuesday. I found out that the churches were called, the church councils were called on. So of course my co-pastor knew the church councils were called on Wednesday, called into a meeting. They were told the day after. And then. Oh, they de- my bishops my district superintendent decided that it would be a great idea to come I to the services uh-huh. on Sunday morning yep. and make the announcement about my firing in person at Ooh. the end of the services instead of you know sending out an email or calling they a, were like we're gonna Jerry Maguire this bitch calling a we tr- are going in <laughs> yeah. take the fish and who's then, coming with me and then said to me. I would prefer that you not be there. Shut up. And I oh said again, no. And so I, so because we served two churches and had two services, one of our church services started at nine, was nine thirty to ten thirty, and the other started at eleven across town, eleven to twelve. So 
I Randy shows up at the end of the first one. Oh, bless Randy. And I am sitting there like mm-hmm. I've been in church all Sunday and they know I'm not preaching and Gary's preaching and why I like I'm there and why am I not at the other mm-hmm. congregation getting ready to preach there and what's happening and Randy walks in at the end of the service like here's your benediction friends. Anna is gone. Go with the grace of Christ. Go with go with God. Yeah. And the first church was sad. It was a lot of crying, a lot of we don't understand, but it was very, they were all very internal about their response. Right. Yeah. We all then hightail it across town for the start of the second service. And Randy stands up at the end of that service and says <laughs> the same thing. And people riot. I mean, there were people on their feet yelling at him. What, what, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. I mean, they are fuming. They are screaming from the pews. I'm in the back and I'm equal parts sad and equal parts. Fuck yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Got her right. So it was, it was, it was a, I mean, just the, the nature of two different congregations makes the, things challenging because they were very different in their personalities yeah, and so yeah, the yeah. responses were very different but there was a lot about this that was just horribly wrong and not done yeah. well and that's so weird because usually every week we hear how well transitioning out of ministry usually every now right. and then we'll hear yeah. a story and the person will be telling and they tell their story and we're like wow like you're a unicorn that like yeah. people just like let you go <laughs> yeah. to like frolic in the yeah, field and you, and yeah and they, and they somehow the still out. pay you for some yeah reason. and then like, well, one guy got a severance package and i was like what the <laughs> like, was I, well i i was i was one of the guys that got a severance package but they what they one offered guy, me initially what they offered me initially was literally the bare minimum yeah. required by their book of discipline and i i slid it back to them God, there's said, so much sliding of envelopes, yeah, okay, guys. I, I, I was like, no, you need to do better. Mm-hmm. Like, in my particular context, we were not allowed to be openly affirming at all. Um, okay. And I had been quietly affirming for a long time, yeah. and it had kind of come out just that in Justin's head, he disagrees with the denomination, so we must fire him immediately. And I was like, no, do better. And they did better. Mm-hmm. You know, good for them. But it's like, you have... To have to fight, it's it's interesting because you hear from churches so much. Oh, you're doing so great! You're doing wonderful. This is wonderful. We want to resource you. We want to love you. You are valuable. You're hearing that? Gosh, it must be nice to be a boy. I know. You know. Well, I mean, but and then they hand you the inside of the sandwich, right? Uh, Check the cupboard too. We've already Um, covered it. But then it's like, oh, you now broke this rule that is convoluted and strange, Mm -hmm. and you are essentially dead to us, and. What do you do the next Sunday? Yeah. After this and, like riot that you instigated that was beautiful and lovely. Mm-hmm. And I um, want to in my back of my head it, the soundtrack is pink. Just saying so yes. you know, like this so like it was a little I glitter. mean I yes. I I will say I was I, I was asked to do a lot of things after I was let go and I went against advice in almost every instance. Because the advice was coming from the people in power who had made right. the decisions about me. Yeah. And so my bishop said to me, this will go much smoother if it stays under the radar, if there is no press, <laughs> if we are quiet about this, and if you just kind of go go quietly, I will let this like not be a mess for you. And I said... Give me the number to channel nine and five and four and get me on the phone with the paper. And, and I just, I mean, I, I could not, I, I mean, I couldn't sit quietly. No. I, so, so the press came out and of course then she's pissed. My district superintendent said, you are not allowed to attend those churches. Like you need to sever yourself from those congregations that it is going to be painful for them. And it is going to be difficult on your co-pastor for you to be there. Uh, Gary said, that's BS. Mm-hmm. Come whenever you want to come. And the next Sunday, I was sitting on the pew of one of my congregations and have continued to remain a congregant there with them for the last four years since I let, was let go. And, and that is in conversation with the pastors that are there. Like, I'm yeah. very intentional about not wanting to be a barrier to the right, work yeah, yeah. that the leaders are doing but they very much wanted me to stay. Yeah. And they recognized that 
the voice that they had within the denomination around the wrongness of the action was going to also be more cohesive if they also had the problem child as a part of that group. Yeah, like you're not really a problem. Right. Because you're still an active participant of this community. Right. And and well-loved and and would still be doing wonderful work if they had allowed you in that position. Like yes. that is... To me, that's a very beautiful image. And pastoral. Because that doesn't happen very often. I, d- I know that I am one of the oddities yeah. That, yeah. that showed up the next Sunday and, you know, didn't say, like, screw this. What, like, church, what, like, church, what? Who, like, yeah. who, who cares? I, I really, I, but, but uh, that was also as much for them as it was for me. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew that I needed to be surrounded by the people who felt as if the work that I had done and was let go for was still good and true and valid work. Right. And so they were affirming me through this this exit and I was then also affirming them in their humanity by saying I got fired I got fired because of who they are, not who I am. Right. And that wasn't okay for me. Yeah. Right. And so I was going to live into that and say if I'm going to get fired for who you are I'm gonna be stay with here you. with you and stay with you yeah. and and be a part of this as as much as I can and as, in whatever ways I can. There is so much I struggle with with the United Methodist denomination. One of them is the way that we ask people to be invested in who we are. We do we ready for a big Christian saying we do life with people yeah. and then we leave. And then for a while when we would transition, they would tell us that we absolutely had to delete people from all social media. What does that say? You only matter to me when you're right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then so to have an experience like this where it wasn't about you. Mm-hmm. It was about you affirming who they are, mm-hmm. which is the real risk. Guys, it's the real risk. I shared yesterday, I, I did a wedding. I'm in what's known as the California Pacific Annual Conference, which is fantastic in so many ways. And so I have done many what some would call gay weddings or mm-hmm. what I like to call weddings. Weddings. Right. Um, <laughs> just, just a wedding. Just a wedding. Not that much different. Right. Turns out I, this, this idea that we are then like, I'm that they're risking us is so painful when you've asked us to pastor these people. Right. It feels like the most damaging thing to do. And I did this wedding with this uh, other pastor who is from a different conference and it was two people that we had mentored, so a lesbian couple that we had mentored, and both of us in individual parts of our lives and worked with. We were doing their wedding. Right before the ceremony, he says, I can't actually do the wedding part, so I'm just going to do the readings part, and you and I will stand there together in our robes, but I can't do the wedding part. And I said, you are a coward. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You are yeah. a coward. Yes. But I still did it because I'm a three, and I care about him, and I hugged him, and it yeah. was cute, and the pictures are really cute. But I was so upset that like, you're willing to risk in front of these people but you're not willing to risk right. yeah. what our whole thing is. Like, I didn't sign up for this to not risk. Right. I, I can't imagine. And I had a, the first couple I ever married sat and told me their story. And I'm like weeping. And I'm like, I want to find love like that. You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, this, again, a lesbian couple. And they told me their stories and no one would marry them. And they were part of my community. I'd actually baptized one of them. So it's beautiful, right? And I was like, well, the first clause says they have to be members. Made her a member. So you're screwed. So then the next yeah. thing was that, I was going to do their wedding. And they said to me, the pastor that has walked with them for years, they said, it's okay if you don't want us to take any pictures that you're in. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to wear your robe, we understand. So when they got their wedding dress on, I put my robe on with them. And I said, I'm doing this as your pastor, not as your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love you. You're my friend. Yeah. Yeah. But I, in this moment, I am your pastor. Mm -hmm. And if they take my piece of paper, I never wanted it Mm -hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not my bravery. It was their bravery mm-hmm. and they're willing to risk. I said, if you guys, I don't want you to become a public thing like that poor couple it, yeah. that all yeah. they wanted to do was get married. Yeah. Like literally my friend says to me, like, why would they want to join our club of marriage? It's hard. Like maybe just don't join it. Like it's hard. Like they wanted to do the thing that like everyone should have a chance to do. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes a sideshow and a, a, a thing that like, mm-hmm. Usually couples just want to like get married so they can like, you know, have health insurance, yeah, whatever it might be. Right. Like, it's not that sexy. And yet they've already been living into the story and we make it into a sideshow. We make it into this. 
And that's what's so hard about our denomination, I feel like. And then we're meant to go like, good luck with your lives. Like, yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, I I I said to people, the question I was asked the most once I was let go was, you know, do you regret it? Or like, would you do it again? And my answer was always 100 percent yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not because of the sideshow it turned into, because I didn't want that. I mean, no, I got did not. I mean, you know, the I mean, the yeah. FBI was at my house at one point oh. because of the. Facebook nonsense threats. Did they have a manila envelope? They I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this. Did not. Like, no. to me, you're like no. a spider. In the, TV, in the TV movie, um, all officials will have a manila envelope. But, you know, I, I, I just have this, there's a fundamental disconnect for me within denominational polity when we are, as, as pastors, we are asked to baptize humans. Mm-hmm. And serve commu- serve sacraments to humans right. and be at people's bedsides when they birth children and when they are ill and when they are on their deathbed. We are asked to preside over their funerals. We are asked to um, preach to them, to lead them, to teach them, to guide them in every way that we've been instructed to. We are asked to do every single thing alongside them as Jesus has commanded. But. We are not allowed to stand beside them on the day that they decide to give their lives to someone else that they have decided they want to be in holy union with right. for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And that ceremony is of the state. Right. Not even yep. of like like I got in trouble not for doing the wedding, but for signing the marriage license. <laughs> yep. That so sounds... so had I had I joined someone in a union that was of God but that was not that did not make me an agent of the state I would not have gotten let go. Mm-hmm. Because I signed the marriage license because I acted as both a pastor and someone who as a citizen and as an agent of the state was willing to sign a legal document that's what got me let go. Like, how crazy is it that we as Christians are do everything we can to try to separate from the state, from the state, our mm-hmm. politic and our our actions when it comes to the ways that we are integrated? We don't want to be a part of a tax structure. We don't want to be a nope. part of nope. a political structure. We want to be completely separate from all of that. Oh, but you have to sign a marriage license if you're a pastor and you marry someone. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets you like it's. It's just such a mind bend to me. Well, like, especially United it, Methodists who feel like really self righteous about like like my uh, my conference every year sends a a letter to the president of the United States, letting whoever they are know that we are against nuclear weapons. And I'm sure as soon as it hits whoever it is, desk, yeah. they're like, "What? The United <laughs> Methodists what? are against I, everyone. The destroy most- it all." Like what the heck? The most United Methodist thing in the world is to send a strongly worded. Letter. Oh, it is. It is. It is. It is. You know? It is as passive aggressive as it and comes. It, but it does say and bless. We are so good at it. And it yeah. says bless, blessings, high, like yeah. little yeah. comma names. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like what we're arguing about yeah. this. Right. That one and, signature. And that's and that's. You know, like as the token not United Methodist person, I know, right? On this Sorry, panel. Justin. We're like, no, it's fine. We're totally, I, like running. This over podcast here. has been like one helpful for me to get you know the message out about like, hey, you cannot be a pastor anymore. But also, it is a crash course in United Methodist Sorry. polity, <laughs> and it's it is it is a delight and a train wreck. But literally, there, that's our that's going to be our memoir: United yeah. Methodism, a delight, a delight, but also a train, but wreck. also a train wreck. A strongly worded letter by Justin. A strongly worded. Um, <laughs> My heart was strongly lettered. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a United Methodist joke. John Wesley yeah. joke. So I, I, I was in too. a I was in a Wesleyan church. So the John Wesley adoration and worship at or above Jesus is something I'm aware of. Such um, a creepy guy. <laughs> deeply creepy man. <laughs> uh, sorry, just you know. Uh, but but I also think even those that were in my situation where it's like you become quietly affirming in a structure that you are not allowed to be affirming in. Right. And 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 I will say too. Like, if you don't have a list of, if you don't have a list of queer folks that you're willing to put your piece of paper on the line for, I don't think you're serving the community well. Right. Like, and, and I had, a, I had that list. I did not, that's not why I was fired. I was fired for other reasons, but like you are called wherever you are and whatever context you are, like if you are the pastor of a community, regardless of denomination, those are your people. 
Right. right. And you are to to do what is what is necessary to provide them pastoral care, and that is part of your office. And if you are not doing that, if you're like not willing to go, if you're going to be a coward, you probably should resign. It's just your job like, at that point. Like it's you just are a not job. doing your job, and move aside so that someone else who's probably stuck at an in, as an intern somewhere <laughs> can so do your job for you. Right. Um, because. I'm finding that there are so many brave folks. And that one of the reasons why it's tough for me to just let go of church altogether, because that is an easy thing to do. And I don't even judge people that do it, that Same. are like, wash their hands. I'm yeah. done. Fair. Absolutely fair. But one of the reasons I want to try to make space in this podcast and other things is because there is there's work to be done. And, and we need people to be OK moving aside so that all these young folks that are called to do this, that are lgbtqia affirming or might be someday as was the case with me um can do the work because there's so many people not willing to do the work and are so many people that are willing to go like well you know it, it's nice we're send, we'll send our strongly worded letter and we to get Congress. it like i understand yeah. that you're you know people can look at us and say oh you did the thing you left and, and we like the the actual financial cost is so hard yeah and brutal. i did not yeah. my bishop supported me when i said hey i am gonna do a, a, a wedding they were like Great, but we will, if someone brings you up on charges, require you to take two weeks off to think about what you've done. You can do that wherever you want to do, an island, whatever you want to do. But you need to take two weeks off to think about what you've done. Oh, to live in the West. I yeah. know, except except then to find out that bishop has done things to undermine. Right. Right. So it's, it looks great on paper, right, guys? So my new bishop, though, is incredible. So I have to say, one of the reasons I stay in, because sometimes it's hard for me, is uh, this year we ordained someone who is from the trans community using they, them language. I can't even talk about it without getting goosebumps. Yeah. They, them language in the liturgy. And I'm just over there like, this. I'm a Christian. And people are like, what the hell is happening with her? But like, you don't understand. Because it's so easy to want to throw it out. Mm -hmm. And that might be the choice for you. We have a Discord channel full of yeah. people and everyone's in a different place. Yeah. Some throw it out. Some can't go the next Sunday. Yeah. yeah. You are bold and wonderful and beautiful, Anna. Yes. How did you take care of your own spirit? Mm. <laughs> I don't know that I did it well. I am a seven with an eight wing on the Enneagram. And so... Um, Everyone is shocked. No one is yeah. shocked. What that means in, in, a, in a very kind of simplistic way is that I don't like to feel my feelings. I, I, I don't like to feel the, the, the hard parts of my feelings. I yeah. want to feel the excited and the stimulating and the goodness and yeah. the like what's next part of my feelings. But I don't want to feel anything that makes me like sink into a place that makes me go, oh, my God, the darkness. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. No, I don't ever want to be. We there. are also subversive chaos yeah. goblins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a three, yes. so I'm like, how can I make it shiny? Right. Like, how and can so, we burn it down colorfully? Hello, I'm fun. <laughs> and so I think I, 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 I had a cycle of, of mm -hmm. sorts. I think for, for much of the time in the, in the immediate aftermath, I was, I was really much more concerned about my congregations than I was about myself. Because it's easier yeah. to do that. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's, a, it's easier to do that. And I was watching the hurt on their faces every single day. And I was, mm. I, I was still fielding pastoral care phone calls yeah. every night for three to four months from folks saying, I just don't know how they can do that to you. And what does that say about me? And yeah, how, yeah, yeah. like why, if they're going to do that to you, like, why should I stay? Why should I be someone that, that Ooh. that even gives a shit about the UMC anymore. Right. Like why? I, I don't know why they want me if they don't want you. Mm -hmm. And so for a while, I very intentionally placed my focus on my congregants because I didn't want to place my focus on my own care. As I began to, began to come out of that and recognize that I was really deeply hurting and and really struggling to identify like why I was making some of the decisions I was making. Like, why did I decide I had to be there the very next week? Cause you were bad. Why, yeah. why did, you know, why did I decide that, that four months after I got let go, I staged a, a silent protest on the history of, the way the United Methodist Church has limited the voices of people that are not white and straight 
and CIS outside of our annual conference auditorium on the second day of annual conference. I literally like made all of these placards, like these placards that you place in the ground. And I had the historical record from the 1600s, like all the way through to present. You did a book report for your page. And I, and I, I did. I, and I, and I, and I, let me show you this. I put all of the stands out and people were coming and taking pictures and they're like, Oh, Oh my God. Like she, she's, she freaking went there. Like she, I'm like, I, like, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. That's so, that's but so like great. what, what made my eightness compelled me to do that. But also what I was finding was that there were people within my church and with, and specifically within my conference who also were seeking the power yeah, the and, and the, and the permission, permission to yeah, name yeah. hard truths yep, yep, and yep. to be aggressive in their stance and to stand up in their meetings and say, whoa, 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 that, that is not who we are. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, not intentional on my part, they were looking to people like me to say, oh, well, like if Anna can do that and if Anna can name those things, like, I can't stage a protest outside of annual conference, but I can take pictures of those things and I can put them on my Facebook page. Yeah. And that's a lot for me to do. Like, that's a, like, that's a big step for me mm-hmm. as a quiet United Methodist women representative you who doesn't dub. rock any boat. Like, yeah. I can do that. And as soon as annual conference was over, that was about five months after I got let go. My therapist looked at me in one of our sessions and said, so this is all very, like, this has all been very exciting, Anna. When, when have you, when, 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 when are you, when are you going to recognize that there's some, that that you need to grieve this? Yeah. And I was like, no, thank you. You know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. Like, and she said, here's the problem. Not only are you like, are you like stomaching it and pushing it in and, and, and not letting yourself feel it, but the other thing that you are doing, and this is what got me, she said, you are illustrating to the people that are looking up to you that your privilege is enough to carry you through this trauma. Oh, wow. And that you don't need to, like, you don't need to, make yourself lower or or find a place to sit and sink with this because yeah. you're you're manifesting your through your whiteness mm-hmm. that you're going to be okay mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went, okay, well that is an inappropriate comment. <laughs> I, I don't like where you're coming from and I don't like that you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most eight yeah. comment and i don't like where you're coming from and i also don't like that you're right and, yeah. and let me let me think about that yeah and and as yeah. soon as she tied my my inability to name my pain yeah. back to my privilege it re- it it did something in me that just for, it, it forced me to reckon with being more honest with the people around me and mm-hmm. letting them know how much I was grieving and letting them know where I needed help and, yeah. you know, naming that, yes, my privilege has allowed me to still continue to pay my rent, but I also, there's a lot that I'm not able to do right now because I lost the salary yeah. and this actually hurts. A- everyone this actually that had said, cost. how can we help you? And I had said, oh, like, I'm good. Like, actually, like, I'm really grateful, you know, my spouse and I, like, we're in a good place. I actually called all of them and said, like, I, I, I don't, I, I wasn't lying to you, but if I, if you asked me that question today, I'd be lying to you. And yeah. I just want you to know that yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not okay. And it, and, and I, and I need you to know that, that not being okay is, doesn't feel good to me, but it's also something that I need to make. I need to make sure that you that you know yeah. is happening for me. Anna, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, that's, that's for so your good. story, for sharing with us. Thank you for coming to the Goose and sharing with us, and also being a friend that when we were like, "Hey, uh, can you just come on this thing because you have a really cool story?" and you're yeah. like, "I can do that." Uh, people can find you where I co-host the Activist Theology Podcast with Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa. Great. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at Activist Theology Podcast. 
And um, you can follow me on all social networks at Unholy Heretic. That's Unholy H A I R Heretic um, on all of my socials. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. All right, we are going to go to a question and yeah. answer section. Uh, those of you who aren't live, I don't know why you're here. So if anyone has any questions for Anna, for us, just because this guy over here, anyone have any questions? Anna, what has been the uh, impact on your inner spiritual life with God in this experience that you've shared with us? You know, actually, I think it's, I appreciate that question. It's, it's actually, I think, afforded me a freedom in being more authentically myself than I ever felt like I had the freedom to be myself before. I was always someone as a pastor who said, I mean, who's my, my, my platform of sorts was kind of built around queer inclusion within the church because that was something as a United Methodist that I could tap into really readily and easily. It was more difficult for me to name truths about racism and about white supremacy and about capitalism and about economic inequities. And those were ancillary things for me. I think that my spiritual formation has actually, I think, blossomed in a way that has allowed me to name truths about Jesus and about what I know about Jesus and then what I now know about myself as a follower of Jesus um, because I haven't felt constrained by the politics of a denomination. That's been a real blessing for me, I think. I have a question. So when you were talking earlier about that you were fired because you signed the document. So in my brain, I know that pastors sign documents all the time for mm -hmm. marriage. So what made that so different? I, I think, so in, in, in my conference, had I been able to talk through with my district superintendent and my bishop that um, a couple came to me, asked me to bless their relationship, asked me to pray with them about their ability to be monogamous with one another and, you know, in love with one another and to have a healthy um, relationship moving forward, but didn't call it a marriage, I am fairly confident I would have kept my job. But because they were able to look up on the Tennessee Department of the, the License Department and see that my name was physically signed on the marriage certificate, they were able to say without question that I presided over a wedding. And that was the, that was the lynch, like that was the click for them that made it something I, that, that they would have never let me get out of or talk my way out of. So, so they can be a part of the state as long as it's not a gay thing. Yeah. Correct. Okay, yeah. fine. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, fine. Yeah. Howdy. Do we have time for another question? Go for it. Oh, cool. I, you, it just triggered a question because you were talking about, you said the word monogamy. So I'm curious in terms of, you know, people who are non-monogamous, is that something you're seeing a conversation around in the same way or with any frequency, like the conversation around queer inclusion in the UMC? Do you mean non-monogamy within the United Methodist, like a conversation within the United Methodist Church or yeah. just within queer communities? Well, I mean, both. I mean, I feel like non-monogamy within the queer community has obviously been sure, sure. a consistent norm and thing sure. uh, and reality that I feel like many inclusive organizations have kind of pushed monogamy as a way to make queerness yeah, more queer, palatable. Right. right. Queer, right. Queer, yeah. Queer. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's like the concession. Like we'll go this far, but no right. further. And then yeah. maybe we'll go a little bit further, but nope, no further than that. Yeah. And I will say, as far as the United Methodist church is concerned, any conversations that do not center monogamy in intimate relationships are out of, are out of bounds. That it is, it is not, those are not conversations that the UMC is willing to have. Anyone else? 
So, Sarah, it sounds like, so you're still in the club, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm a card-carrying yeah, member. Yeah, yes, you're a card-carrying member. You're in the club, but you do this podcast. So I'm curious, uh, I mean, do you anticipate the day? Do you, like, already have all your stuff written down to shoot back to your DS, like, uh, on that day or whatever? In a manila folder? In a manila in, folder, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone immediately go to Staples? Immediately. Or, or Office Depot. Whatever works. He's like, what is this? Oh, I think you know. <laughs> um, I think for me, I made that decision a long time ago that if these people were willing to let me be part of their lives, that I was willing to, to risk, right? And it's such a ridiculous risk, right? It's ridiculous. Like, I, I exactly that privilege moment, that moment, like, when I look around, I think you guys risk every day. And so here I am, yeah. if I'm going to be authentic, I'm going to be authentic for the whole thing. So they have been really generous and kind with me, but I'm what's known as an extension pastor because I'm no longer in a local church. I'm an extension pastor. I'm actually appointed to my business. What I need all of you to hear is I don't get paid, like in general, but also not by the United Methodist Church. Uh, so the United Methodist Church doesn't pay me. And so I think in a little bit, they're like, look away, you know, like just don't look and no one will notice. But also I think my conference that bold stance. So if you haven't heard, um, for those of you not keeping up with United Methodist media, weird, who wouldn't, 16 folks weren't allowed to be ordained uh, because a group of people decided to block their ordination because there were queer folks within the community. Those who were being ordained with them were willing to not be ordained, which matters because of retirement, care, this was financial risk. So my conference, I walk in, and by the way, I want to throw the whole thing out. I'm willing to get rid of Rev Sarah. I'm going to my annual conference to be like, I don't know if I'm going to stay in this thing. You guys would be lucky if I did. And, but whatever, you know. I walk in and my bishop is wearing a t-shirt that says I stand with the 16. A t-shirt he paid a lot of money for because anyone who bought that t-shirt in our conference helped fund those people's salary, helped fund those people's legal, helped fund because we were not willing to just say, oh, what you did was brave. We're like, here's our money. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think... That's what keeps me in it. If I am never, if I'm not part of that club anymore, if it's, if that club is harming and not helping, then I cannot with integrity stay. And I have done a lot of things to please other people. And I am, I am not willing to do that anymore when it comes to the harm, active harm of people. I'm not willing to say you should pay ties to an organization that doesn't give a shit about you. And so to see the other clergy that are brave and bold and standing there, the person who got, like a trans man who got ordained, I'm like, you, sir, are bold. <laughs> like me as a white woman being like, I also support you. Like, yay. And I think that's the moment. If it ever comes to that, then I will have my manila envelope. And they'll be like, we don't need this. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> You'll notice in these photos that I look quite lovely in a robe. <laughs> like, like, whatever. Like, <laughs> Why do you carry black and white photos of yourself? Don't ask questions. Don't ask. <laughs> I also got it stomped, stamped confidential. It's really cute. <laughs> yeah, any more questions? Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com RevCovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Recovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Another live event is coming up, and we want to meet you face-to-face. -face. Our friend Trip Fuller of the Homebrew Christianity podcast is throwing what can only be described as the ultimate podcast party, and you all are invited. Theology Beer Camp is a three-day theology podcast beer nerd fest. It sounds like a great time. And for $50 off registration, make sure to put RevCovery in the discount section. So come thirsty and get ready to get nerdy for three days of theological zest. 
that's going to be October 13th through the 15th in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can check it out at theologybeer.camp. And don't forget to use our code. Gets you $50 off. We would love to see you there. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Friends, thanks again for sticking around to listen to the poem or the lyric or the quote that every week Justin and I like to share as things that are inspiring us from the conversation kind of remind us of other writing. And maybe this is a way you connect. We both connect in this way. And so I was thinking through Anna's conversation and I, I there was this like really compelling resistance that almost felt prophetic. And I know there's been several spaces in the last couple of years that I've felt that sort of art form of prophetic resistance um, before. And I was thinking as I wanted to figure out what I wanted to share with you, that Amanda Gorman has that feeling. And Amanda Gorman is the poet who uh, wrote The Hill We Climb, who um, they gave that at the Joe Biden inauguration. And I, I can't ever stop thinking about that poem as, as not just a, a poem about our country, a poem about what we are as a people, but as I think about like the church and wh- what I wish the church would be for those of you who are staying within it or still have some sort of connection to it. I want to offer this reading as a way of thinking instead about a country, but about the church, if that is something that you still feel compelled to. So here it is. This is, uh, again, Amanda Gorman, and this is from The Hill We Climb. And maybe when I say the word country, maybe you will hear the word church. We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be. A country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation, because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. But one thing is certain, if we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our birth, our children's birthright. Friends, I hope that uh, you have an incredible week and we look forward to catching up with you again here in the recovery room. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.